Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. In the age of the pandemic, what does it look like to pivot and innovate as an entrepreneur? What if in our work, we shifted our mindsets to think about how we could use what we already have within us to make an impact in our industry? I had the immense honour of interviewing Hanifa member, the designer and creative director behind the label Hanifa. A few weeks ago, Hanifa launched the first virtual fashion show in the world to an incredible reception, featured everywhere from Vogue, Forbes to CNN. We spoke about how she's used technology to grow the reach of her brand, what it means to have vision, even if you're learning the skills along the way, and how to overcome challenges as a young entrepreneur. Let's listen in. How's it going for you? It's going well. Just trying to manage myself. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah, you've been everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's because I've been following you and your brand for a while. So um, yeah, I'm just so excited for you that I guess God knew this was your time and how yeah, you've just been featured in so many places. So many congratulations because I can only imagine the hard work. And I always like to start to, I guess, get a vibe of the type of person you are and the type of conversations you like to have. Um, so if you could have dinner with two guests, um, who would they be and why? This one is extreme, but I would love to have a talk with Jesus. Like, how am I doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> That's definitely one for sure. I really love Beyonce's work ethic. I would love to like talk to her and just try to see like how she she's been able to accomplish so much while being um of course I know she has like a team and stuff but she's so involved in a lot of what we see so I'm I'm curious to know how she's able to like manage that and have a family and children and all that stuff um and so, yeah, I want to kind of get into your childhood and maybe what led you into fashion. So what was your childhood like? And I guess what were some of the values instilled in you? I've always been like a creative kid, um, super creative. My dad used to tell me I was the weird kid who like, he was just like, you're so weird. Like you weren't playing with toys like everyone else. You were taking the, your toys apart so you could see how they were made on the inside. Wow, And I find that so interesting because I'm always like trying to like figure out how something is done or I'm always trying to learn something new. Um, but, um, yeah, I was that weird kid that just watched people from the corner. (laughs) So I've been, uh, observant, very creative. I started sketching when I was nine. So I used to sketch a lot of different things. I'll sketch like fashion and I'll sketch like flowers or a car or whatever. And then Fast forward to my junior of high school, I took a fashion design class and um, that's where my mom bought me my first sewing machine. And that's where I kind of learned like the fundamentals of like using a sewing machine. I still didn't really know how to sew, but that's when it started. And um, I used to go to like the thrift store. I'll buy like some stuff from the men's department. I'll tailor the waist so that it could fit my waist. 
uh, art school rep came to my class and was telling us all these great things about becoming a fashion designer. And at this prior to this moment, I thought I was going to be like, I knew I wanted to work in fashion, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be like an editor for a magazine or I'm going to have a job like now Anna Wintour or like something in fashion or a stylist or whatever. But at that moment, um, when the rep came, I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to be a designer. So I guess kind of leading on from that, when you said the person came to your art school and you then kind of discovered that you wanted to be a designer, how did that lead to then starting a business? Because obviously a lot of times a lot of people have ideas or maybe even people notice that they have a, a talent, but they're not always able to then turn that into something that can become like a career and they can make money out of. So how did you then have the confidence and practically launch your brand? In African households, you kind of develop this tough skin because your parents are usually very brutally honest. <laughs> very. <laughs> it's like straight up. It's like one, there's like no in between. It's either yes or no. So I remember I ran home literally because I used to walk to school at this time and, um, I was so excited and I just was just like, oh my gosh, I want to be a fashion designer. I'm telling my dad how much, you know, you can make starting, make $40,000. And he was just like, girl, that is, you're not going to be making no money doing that. Like, you know, when you, when you're an uh, African with your parents, there's like a narrow pathway that they want you to take their children to be educated. They want them to go to school full, like I'm talking about like all the way. They want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, but yeah, he was like, I'm not paying for no application fees for no fashion school in New York. So they just kind of did it that at that moment. And if I didn't have tough skin, I would have just conformed and did what they wanted me to do. So I ended up settling for a school, a state school that had a fashion program, a fashion merchandising program. So I took that. I was like, I'm going to take what I can get. And I left and, you know, I studied that program briefly um, because it wasn't really fashion design. I dropped out of school. And at the time I was working in retail. So I'm the kind of person where it's like, if I don't really, if I don't like something, I'm just not going to do it. So I was just like, shoot, like I now I dropped out of school. I don't have a job. I can't really go back home because I'm, I can't go back home without a degree. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm just like, shoot. And um, me and my friends were planning this party for my 21st birthday for a little while. And I was broke. I didn't have anything to wear. So then I just, um, I had some scraps of fabric from a trip that I took maybe a, a year or two before. And I I made the dress for my 21st birthday party. And I remember posting it on Instagram. I think I was even sewing it that night. I posted it on Instagram. And at this time, it was probably like 2011. Instagram for me was very new. Um, And uh, I, I didn't have a lot of followers. And it was just like 40 likes was like a big deal. I was just like, whoa. And people were commenting and asking me to make it for them. That's really where it stemmed from. It stemmed from that. So I started um, taking custom orders. Mind you, I have absolutely, I mean, the bare minimum of sewing skills, the very bare minimum. And I started teaching myself how to sew through custom orders. So someone would ask me to make them something. Most of the time, I really didn't know how to make it, but (laughs) I figured it out. (laughs) 
I somehow figured it out. And I just kept doing that until I got to a place where I was comfortable to launch my own collection. And I did um, launch my first collection in 2012, summer of 2012. And that's, and that's where it started. Wow. Um, that is so inspiring. I think what I've really taken from that is you obviously must have had such conviction, even when maybe other people told you that this couldn't be a viable career, as you said, with your dad, but also not even necessarily having the skills, um, but you just kind of persevered. And so I want to fast forward to today because Mm -hmm. obviously you've been featured absolutely everywhere from Vogue to Forbes and everyone has been talking about your groundbreaking virtual show um, and being the first to do that. So what was that process like? And was that something that you were thinking about prior to COVID? And I guess what's been the response since then? Yeah, it's interesting because if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'll either be like a beautician um, or I'll be working in tech. So I've been, um, I've always also been like interested, very interested in technology, um, but I've always felt very limited. My friend, a very close friend of mine the other day was just telling me like, she was like reminding me, she was like, do you remember years ago, like five years ago, you were talking about, you know, you wanted to do like a digital fashion show. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that. So it's something that I've been talking about for, well, thinking about for some time. Um, But as I started to grow into my career, I started to do more research into like digital things. So I started with digital garments um, and I, I started using that on my website. I also started using it on all our socials and um, the feedback was really good. It, it converted to sales and things like that. So I, w- I started to think like, is there any way that we can make these garments move? Is there any way we can actually show our customers like movement so that they could kind of see themselves in the pieces. And, um, I remember, um, I was watching, um, the last star Wars movie and my friend that I was watching with was like, Hey, like, you know, um, princess Laia, like she actually passed. That's not the real one. And I was just like, wow. So it is possible because the, um, movie industry has been using this, type of technology for years, like for years. So I started to dive deep into that and then just trying to understand it. So um, we were actually planning to show, have a real show during New York Fashion Week of this year, this fall. But um, I was going back and forth if I wanted it to be digital or not. And then when the pandemic happened, it was just like the world literally shut down. So I was just trying to figure it out. And um, I remember that's when I was just like, you know what, let me try this digital thing again. Let me do some more research. So I started going in, I started watching YouTube videos. I started reading articles and forums and FAQs, just so many different things. And um, next thing I knew, I was producing an entire photo shoot on the computer. And I just got so lost. It was like a rabbit hole. And I was just going in and then trying different things and different lightings and then creating the garments creating the garments digitally and um mind you at this time we can't do photo shoots we can't work with anyone I, I couldn't even see my team um so 
I shared it with my team during one of our creative calls and they were like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And I didn't say anything. I just like, I want to show something to you guys. And they're like, this is so cool. You know, we should probably post this. And I was so nervous because I'm just like, Oh, I don't know how it's going to be perceived. I don't know if people are going to think this is weird. So I was just like, you know what? We, we don't have anything to lose because right now um, we're seeing so many companies going bankrupt. We're seeing closures, just so many different things. And, um, we need, I needed to stay my business. So we posted it and it, it did so well. Like I'm talking about so well. Has um, that surprised you? Because it has literally been absolutely everywhere. Is that, that kind of level of response from everyone? Did that shock you? It did because, so this, this thing in particular was just like an image. And I was like, I wonder if people are going to know if this is real or fake. So a lot of people actually didn't know that it was fake. There was a few people that knew because they work in like tech and stuff and they were commenting like, Hey, is this a digital model? Or, and we were deleting their comments because it was kind of like a a test run for us. So we didn't want them to blow our cover, but that um, is what led to us actually doing the show because, you know, um, I started paying attention to how the fashion world was responding, the fashion industry as a whole during this pandemic time. And like, I mean, the fashion industry, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it was like going down, like downhill. And then, you know, you see big fashion houses saying that they're not going to be doing X amount of shows anymore. They're not going to be following the calendar anymore. Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. And I've kind of already, I think a lot of independent brands already kind of do their own thing already, but this was more of a reason to really uh, hone in on who you are as a brand and just kind of do actually do your own thing. So I was just like, you know what, we're going to do our own thing too. We're definitely not going to wait until fall to show anything. And, uh, I was like, the time is now. So we're about to produce a whole digital show and I want it streamed live on Instagram. I didn't even know that was possible, but I figured it out (laughs) and it became possible. So after that, I was like, okay, we're definitely, definitely streaming this on Instagram. Wow. Um, So something you've mentioned from not just this experience, but throughout so far is how you've always made the most of what you have. So even when you didn't know how to sew, you then would take custom orders so you could teach yourself. Same way with the digital show, you have had a passion for tech and you didn't want to wait till fall. Um, So kind of what encouragement and lessons from your life about using what you have, whether that's your social media profile or your creativity or your curiosity for other things. How have you used that to build your brand? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I've always, I think I developed this skill from my mom. My mom is like super resourceful, like to the point where sometimes it's so annoying. And growing up, it used to annoy me so bad, but then I realized that I was taking on that too. So naturally I started doing that with my business. So, um, I mean, I made the most out of everything. I mean, everything. And I think that alone has helped sustain my business in a tremendous way. This show, this digital thing, for example, um, I've been able to save so much money on sampling because I'm able to actually sample it on the computer first. And, with that, I can um, share it with my team, my production team, and they'll know exactly how to make it based off of that. We'll know exactly how many yards of fabric we'll need and we're not wasting 
um, money on extra fabric that we actually don't need. So I think it's something I developed for my mom and, um, it helps to be really resourceful and just to kind of use what you have. And a lot of people think, you know, you need thousands and thousands of dollars to start a brand, but I don't think so. I, cause that's not, it, it didn't, it didn't go that way for me. So I don't think you really need it. You just kind of have to see what you have and use that, utilize that. Wow. I love that. And um, so what may be some of the obstacles you face as an entrepreneur so far and also being the creative lead of your business and how have you overcome them? Because I'm sure as much as we see everything looking glamorous and successful on Instagram and the internet, that I'm sure is not always the reality behind the scenes. I faced quite a few amount of obstacles, like a lot, actually. I'm African born in Nairobi, Kenya, um, raised in Maryland. And here it's like, Maryland isn't really like a fashion capital. So, uh, starting a fashion career here is very, it's interesting because there's not that many resources or, you know, every, I'm, I'm assuming every single person that wants to become a fashion designer, they're like, I want to be in the fashion industry. One day I'm going to have my show in New York fashion week or Paris fashion week or whatever. And it's like, there there really isn't a, a blueprint or like a specific way to do it. You know, there isn't, and um, being in Maryland, I don't have those resources. So I, I also didn't have a mentor. Um, I didn't really have a background in fashion. So it was really tough for me. So I winged it like completely. And then like starting out, it's like, you know, for me, it was like a passion, a hobby. And it's like, as creatives, we're always like, oh my gosh, I love this. You know, I love to paint and I love to draw and I love to whatever. But sometimes, you know, uh, especially when you have a business, you have to differentiate the two. It's like, okay, I'm a creative, but I'm also a business owner. And I think in the beginning, I really struggled with that, um, balancing the two, because obviously I loved to create, I loved to design, I loved to do the photo shoots, website, whatever. But when it came down to like the business side, the financial management, all those things were really tough for me. And I learned the hard way. Like I made a lot of mistakes, um, but I learned so much from them and the team because in the beginning, it's it's most of the time I feel like entrepreneurs we we wear all the hats because you know we feel it's like it's the cheapest thing to do. I had poor money management skills in the beginning of my career, so later on I I hired a financial person and an accountant, and with them on my team, I was able to make more money. But originally, I was thinking, you know. I can't afford an accountant or I can't afford afford a financial person. But in reality, having them actually took, you know, a load off of my shoulders and I was able to focus on different aspects of the business while they were handling that. And also like, for example, sewing, I used to sew from 6am to 6am sometimes. Wow. And within a week I'm doing 50 to hundred orders by myself. So just, you could just imagine like, how much time I was sitting, you know, sewing. I've gained, I gained like 30, 40 pounds over the years and I miss birthdays, weddings. I lost friends along the way because of that. And once I actually finally made the decision to stop sewing completely and 
get a manufacturer, get a production team. I was able to focus on different parts of the business and it actually elevated the business when I stopped sewing completely. So um, I think the importance of having the right team, like, cause you can hire a bunch of different people, but you just have to know what you need and get help in those areas so that you can actually thrive in your business. And that's something that I struggle with that I, I actually learned and it has gotten a lot better. Wow. That is incredible advice. Cause actually I remember someone saying to me that as an entrepreneur, you need to get to a place where you can work on your business as opposed to in your business. But I know that I've definitely also felt the pressure of, you know, it's easier to save money by doing loads of different roles within the organization but actually that just means that you don't necessarily have the space to think big picture because you're doing every single detail um amazing um so I wanted to ask about influence and how much your heritage um I guess influences what you do and the brand that you're creating and how you want women to feel yeah so growing up um my mom a lot of what I do with my brand is what I saw with my mother. So I use red lipstick a lot with my shoots. Um, and my mom, when I used to see her get ready in the morning, she always wore red lipstick or she always wore like the best, like, you know, that tailored like African fit for the party. Or she always had a nice, like tailored dress, a tailored suit. So just seeing my mom, my aunts, my cousins, I think it, and it inspired me in so many ways. The fashion industry, I can say it's, it was never really, it was never really made for us like black women. It it wasn't. And, you know, I think I was creating what I wanted to wear and what I wanted to feel and what my friends wanted to wear and what like, you know, women that I, I knew growing up wanted to see and wear as well. Like, a lot of times I use colors that we typically don't get to see in the stores or we typically don't get to, to see on fashion covers and things like that. I think the fashion industry is now changing and it's becoming a, a, a little bit more cultured. But, you know, when I started, a lot of these things weren't even available to us. So I think um, a lot of where I come from and just like um, the women that I saw growing up really inspired, like, where I am today in terms of design and my brand. Amazing. Um, So I guess also as a black woman in the fashion industry, what impact do you hope that you just being there and your brand being successful will make? Because I know for me, seeing the fact that you were the first to do what you do was just so inspiring. Someone who's worked in fashion for a while and the fact that a black woman did that was just yeah, to me, really encouraging. And although there are many obstacles that we face as Black women in the fashion industry, I think seeing someone like you and how you've really broken through and done it your way, um, at least to me, encouraged me so much. I think um, a lot of people have to share their story and also know their value. Because for me, um, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until the top of this year where I actually told myself, I was like, Anifa, stop seeking validation from the, in the wrong places. Wow. Like you have to stop seeking validation in the wrong places for years. Like I'm trying to like obtain this like um, image and trying to be like the fashion industry and trying to be like what they've, they put in our faces all the time when really I should have just been doing my own thing. 
you know, this is, this is honestly, truthfully where the birthing of like this, this fashion show really, how it happened and everything, because it was just like me just really, I was telling my team, I said, we're not like the fashion industry is there. They're cool, whatever, but we're doing our own thing. We're setting our own rules. We're making our own table and we're bringing people with us because a lot of times we have these things already. It's already there, but it's just you have to know that and you have to believe that you got to know your value and you have to stick to what you believe in. Um, so I wanted to ask about identity and humility because kind of even just from reading interviews with you, that's one thing that has really struck me is your humility and how grounded you are in an industry like fashion where say like, you know, in the last few weeks, everyone is like, Anifa's amazing, your brand is incredible. <laughs> how do you, I guess, stay grounded and not... Um, be swayed by the validation of people or when people didn't take notice of your brand in the past? It's scary because, um, I teach a class, I teach a class, um, and, uh, I always talk about like your core values. Like that's literally the first, I think it's the first chapter in class where I talk about like, you got to know your morals, you got to know your core values because there's going to come a time in your career where, it's going to be tested and you could either conform or stay, stay true to who you are. And, um, for me, it's like, I wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for Christ, like none, sometimes not in a fearful way where I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to like say, Oh my gosh, thank you. But it's just like, I give credit to who deserves the the credit or the glory. So for me, it's more like, the the gift and talent that I have came from the Lord. So for me, it's like, I always, you know, I'm grateful for what I have and I'm grateful for what I've been able to accomplish, but it's almost like, it's like purposeful in a way where it's all for Christ. It's like, it's not mine. So it's like, I can't fully take credit for it. I'm just grateful that he's been able to use me so people can see him. So that's literally why I do what I do is to give him the glory and just to tell everyone that it's him. It's not me. How do you stay so laser focused and not get distracted? Um, and I guess also in that, how do you learn to celebrate and enjoy where you are, even mm. as you think of what's to come next? Um, I actually, I don't really go out that much. You know, it's like one of those things where you love what you do. So it's, I work more than I like have fun. So it's something that I battle with, but now that I have a team and I can be in like 10 different places at once because of that, I can actually now like make time for myself. So especially now I'm going to be 30 this year. So I'm, I'm a little older than I was before. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> health is important. So making sure that I'm going to the doctors, making sure that I'm resting, making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. Cause I found out if you don't get enough sleep, it adds on to like weight gain and stuff. So it's like learning more. I'm also discovering myself more and, and finding out who I am. So I think right now it's, it's all about balance. So I have a schedule. Um, so I have a schedule for when I work and I also have a schedule when I can like relax and chill. Wow. Amazing. Um, so I want to ask a twofold question. So I guess when I've read, um, interviews with you or just kind of features on you, the thing that people always talk about is obviously how young you are and how much you've achieved at such a young age. So firstly, have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? 
how has your age played a role in how you think about your career? As a kid, you know, I wasn't as fortunate as, mo- as, as the other kids that I was going to school with. So like, you know, there were so many things that I wanted that I couldn't get. So, and then, you know, when you have certain things, you know, you're in certain circles. So I think just trying to f- discover myself and figure out who I was, um, I struggled with that like really badly. Um, but when I, I gave my life to Christ, I think all of that changed. Um, I matured a little bit more. And um, I remember, you know, I used to think the fashion industry was just like photo shoots and, you know, working with stylists and being on cover of magazines and things like that and working with celebrities. But oof, I learned that really quick, like really, really quick. That's, that's not really it at all. So um, I think Hanifa, when I started Hanifa, I was 20, I was 21 and the brand was younger than two. So I think as I've grown, I've grown with the brand. It's been like an evolution of Anifa and Hanifa. So it's been like a ongoing thing, but um, I've definitely grown so much since <laughs> the beginning. Wow. And um, what would you say have been some of the main highlights of your journey or just kind of those pinch me moments? My first celebrity was Fantasia on a BET experience. That was one. My first retail location was a huge one for me too. And that was last year. And then hitting a million dollars in revenue within a year, that was like a big one. And then I would say my biggest milestone will be the 3D show because for me, it was like the first time I would actually let people in like, my personal space like I gave it my all like and it was perceived so well uh and I was able to share my story while while doing all of that too so I think just being able to open up in that way and really let the world in on who I am and who Anifa is was a big moment for me what does faith mean to you? You've obviously spoken a lot about it and how it's played a part in your life, but what does it mean to you personally and how does it impact you as a designer and you as a woman? So I was born into uh, Islam. So originally, uh, my par- both of my parents were Muslim. I was born into that. And um, later on, when I was like of age, when I turned 14, I gave my life to Christ. As I know it, you know, you grow, you grow with Christ in your relationship with Christ. But um, having that foundation has been like my rock throughout my entire career. Um, And then just like having those values have really kept me grounded. Um, Like I said earlier on, like, Having faith in Christ and believing in Christ has always been my foundation and it has kept me grounded. I think faith is extremely important. And yeah, like I said, it's been it's been like the center of my career, my life and everything. Wow. Um, and then finally, how do you rest in order to be inspired and create? I, um, I'll go for a walk. Um, I'll travel or I'll watch movies. I love watching movies, like old movies, new movies to get inspired. Um, yeah, or I'll listen to a song. And so many, the, the creative process is so grand and broad that 
you can literally be inspired by anything. And I'm, I'm open to that. I'm open to being inspired by so many different things. And sometimes, you know, I'll see things in dreams as weird as that may sound. <laughs> I'll oh see something God. in a dream and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll just like start writing in my notes or I'll just start sketching and it's, and it's, it's done. But yeah, there's so many ways, so many ways to be inspired. Amazing. Thank you so much, Anifa. It's been so... No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from this, go ahead and share this with them. Also, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps us out. See you next time. Thank you.